Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. You're tuned in. It's our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio, I've got an entrepreneur that wants to do just that. From Bozeman, Montana, we have Joe Rare. He's with Level9Virtual.com. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Yeah, it is. It's always a pleasure, man. I'm excited to get into everything that we have to unpack today and learn more about you and how you've been so successful. But before we hop into it, we always start out with an icebreaker question. And today's icebreaker question, though normally a silly one, is actually kind of a deep question, man. Uh-oh. Today's icebreaker is if you had the chance to go back and start again, what age would you choose? Oh, dang. Like just life? Yeah, man. Any any way you want to take it, bro. Just like, where would you start back over? Oh my God. I'd go, I'd go all the way back to like five years old for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want that full childhood that I could remember. I want to do all that shit again. I want to do all the fun <laughs> stuff, climbing trees and, and, you know, swimming in rivers. Like I want to do all of that all over again. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when you start thinking about that stuff. I mean, I will say, first of all, On this question, it is kind of hard because it's like when you talk about going back and starting over, I think about all of the things, no matter how hard they were, that brought me to where I'm at in my life right now. And there is no way in hell, no matter how much I wake up and struggle sometimes, how much I absolutely hate certain aspects of what I have to go through or whatever else. It's like, I don't want to give up the three children that I have, the wife that I have. Like, I love this life. But let's say that stuff wasn't there and I could make this decision with a clear conscience. You know, I kind of tend to agree with you, like going all the way back because there is so much. And I'll tell you, I know this is something that has been said from like the beginning of time from parents to their children, but you don't appreciate what you had as a child until you get older and then realize like, yeah, of course. Oh crap. I had a really cool, easy life. Like, why did I ever bitch about taking a nap, bro? I'll take a nap right now. Like, <laughs> you know, all of those things. I, I would say though, as much as I did love my childhood, I'm always excited to like get started on something that can be great. You know, I think it's why like so many of us serial entrepreneurs are just always taking on new projects. And then when we do have a company, we're like always adding services or things we can do because we get excited by the next shiny thing. And it's like, yeah. this is a new start to something that can be great. So for me, it's probably like that, 11 or 12 year old mark Uh right around the time that I started working with my dad and making some money. And I'm like, dude, if I could just go back to the first day I ever showed up for any type of job where I was getting paid money and start over, I'd be rich by the time I was 18. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be so fun. I know. I remember my sisters were doing lemonade stands when I was five years old. So that's, you know, I got to see that right out of the gate. So yeah, I, I like all that. I mean, I just want to, I just want to go enjoy the life though, man, as a, You're right. as a five-year-old man, there's a, you have no cares. You have no fear. Like yep. you'll do anything, you know? And I just said, uh, that would be so much fun to go back to that moment when you just literally didn't care what went down. That'd be so fun. You know, and, and of course this isn't like one of those philosophical podcasts or motivational podcasts <laughs> or like 
anything yeah. like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we inspire. Sometimes we motivate just because we're we're interviewing entrepreneurs. Yeah, so of like, of course, you're going to find motivation there. But, you know, to kind of take it down that path for a second, it just immediately makes me think about how like, why can't we be that five year old right now? Well, I think we should be. And I think, you know, that's something that I, I hope that I'm instilling in my kids, you know, now is to try things, taste things, go do everything that you can to, to make waves and, and do something that's going to be uncomfortable. And, and, you know, it might not work out, but you're just, you're going to give it a shot. And, you know, like there's, there's always that, like, you know, when I started out that way, it was like the careful parent, you know, it's like, Oh, careful, 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 careful. It's like, okay, stop doing that. No, like go. Yeah. If you want to climb that thing, just know that you're going to eat shit and it's going to hurt. And, uh, you know, and I, I think there's so much value in that, in, in giving them that freedom. And so, you know, when we moved to Montana, that was a big part of moving here was, was really giving that freedom and, and letting them explore and letting them, you know, feel what it's like to just run free and, and literally be free. And so that's one of the things we love out here. No, I'm with you, man. I, I was kind of that way too, with my firstborn. And then that third one gets here and you're just like, dude, do whatever. I don't yeah. even care anymore. You know? And so like, he's, we're at the pool and stuff and he's jumping off from the highest spot that he can, and yep. you know, doing crazy stuff. And he just, he has zero fear. And I'm like, this is the way to live. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, we should translate this to our daily life because you're right. It's like, if, if you enjoy it, do it. If it's something that you think could be beneficial to you in the future, then just do it. Like stop worrying about all the what ifs and just kind of get through it, man. And sure. yeah, it it's something I'm pretty excited about is, you know, at the time we're recording this, I don't know when listeners are going to have this one in their hands, but it's July 17th right now. And my son just at 14 years old, just launched his first company. No um, way. Oh, that's you know, awesome. And it's, so I'm helping him with it. And he's just targeting our neighborhood right now. He's already got ideas of expansion into, you know, the surrounding area. And he's doing like all the chores that homeowners don't want to do or can't do because they're going to be out of town. And it's like, fine, hire me. I'll be your 14 year old child that stays behind and I'll show up to your house, walk your dogs, there feed you them, go. you know, like let them out in the backyard, mow your grass, whatever it is you need done. And man, his first weekend, like first couple of days that it's even been a thing, he's already made almost 200 bucks. There you go. And I then he's it. already recruited a friend in to come help him with some of the stuff and then paid his friend. And I'm like, dude, you're learning it. You're yeah. getting it already. And I'm like, if I can just right. focus on him and make this thing successful by the time he's 18, where he's graduating high school and already putting all of these other high schoolers to work with him, what a dream he'll have. So all I can do as the parent is sit back and support him and hope to God that he stays motivated. And if he doesn't, well, it is what it is, yeah. but uh, I can't force him to learn it. So I'm just going to be here to help him out well, with I mean, it the whole time. I, I feel like if he's got the, if he's got the itch already and he's, and he's actually taking action on the itch, I kind of feel like he may, he may love this for a long time. I think if you've got that itch that early, then, you know, you, you kind of sticks with you. I think so many good things are going into this of, you know, I took some of the parenting that my mom and dad instilled into me where it was, you know, my very first car that I ever got, it wasn't, Hey, I'm going to buy you a car. It was, you can work for my company is what my dad told me. Everything you save up, I will match 100% of your savings when it's time to buy oh, a car, that's cool. but you're going to buy your first car. I'm not. Yeah, that's and awesome. I was like, you know, that's fair. So I've had that same thing with my son and, He's sitting here like, dad, I really want to do gaming and I want to, you know, buy this computer and this lap, like a laptop or something. And I want to buy, you know, the new MetaQuest 3 when it comes out, because I really love uh, the VR stuff and all this. And I'm like, well, that's cool. But 
I buy you a birthday gift and a Christmas gift and you're lucky you get that. So if you want these expensive things, like when we spend three or 400 bucks on you for your birthday or your Christmas, like that's the value you get out of it. So if you want a thousand dollar computer, you got to buy that yourself. Yeah. And he just kind of figured out, he was like, well, if you're paying me to do chores, these other people in the neighborhood may pay me to do chores and I want to make some money so I can get it. And so he kind of has that hunger of, I need something or I want something. And so I want to go earn and get it. And then on top of that, now he saw a really quick success where he can book some uh, gigs with these people and then make some serious money for a 14 year old child. Right. So he's like, oh, man, all right, I've got the taste of I'm getting the money that I want. So I'm just going to keep down this route. But I am I'm forcing him to save half of it. So. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think I think the I think the challenge comes is that now you got to Now they got to teach the kids what to do with the money. Yep. And so, you know, we have this policy where, um, you know, you know, 10% has to go to giving. So if they earn money, they have to mm. give away 10% of it to some, like they, they can choose, a, you know, homeless thing, shelter, they can buy something for, you know, like the other day we were at the, at the sporting goods store and, um, the kids go, you know, there's this booth and they're, they're, gra um, they're trying to have you go in and buy socks and buy, you know, like beef jerky and, and like, you know, flashlights and whatever for the military. And so it's for, you know, Montana active duty that are deployed. That's awesome. And then they send them these care packages. Right. And so the kids go, well, we really want to do this. And I go, okay, here's the deal. Like, you know, whatever you're willing to spend on your own money, then I'll go match it and I'll double whatever you guys do. And then we'll give all of it. So that was part of their, they have to give up 10%. I like it. Right. And then, yeah. And then they have to take, you know, then what is it? So then we go, then 40% of it has to be saved. They can't touch it. And then they have that 50%. It's like, you can do what you want, but I would say invest it. And so Absolutely. right now they're just stacking it, you know, and they'll do lemonade stands. They'll do, you know, the, we got chickens now and, you know, they're getting ready to, they're like, okay, as soon as these chickens lay eggs, we're going to go to everybody who's around us and we're going to sell the eggs. Yes. That was my first thing I ever did too. I was like five or six years old and we, I've always been out here in the country in Texas. And yeah. so we had chickens, we had a goat, we had a potbelly pig and a horse. My aunt's horse was staying on our property and it was constantly going out there and taking care of all the animals and stuff. And then same thing, man, I was selling a dozen eggs and I'll tell you what, eggs are big business right now. And this right now they so are. <laughs> you, if you got a good price on them, man, you can, you can, I mean, hell, you don't even have to sell farm fresh eggs anymore for below market price. Like you had to, when I was growing right. up now, that's a, that's a huge, big yeah. item that everybody wants. Yeah, you can sell them for market fresh. rate. Yeah. Yeah. So you can sell at market rate or even more sometimes. More that, like yeah. people. Yeah. I'm <laughs> it's selling you insane. convenience. I mean, shoot, we're, you know, it takes us 30 minutes to get to the grocery store. So, you know, I'm going to save you 30 minutes of driving, an hour of driving total so that you don't have to go to the grocery and, store. Yeah. Your farm fresh They're delivered right here. right here for you. Yeah. This is Amazon <laughs> Prime. You have to get to a membership here. Like, <laughs> actually pay me a hundred bucks a year. That's a good angle to play with the egg thing is to get people on a membership. Yep. Yeah. And you get member only pricing, which is less than the, the rate right. of, you know, your, your market rate. Oh, I like yeah. that. I mean, that's a good well, idea. We're just going to team our kids up and we're going to have like a really successful business and we're going to get a bunch of virtual assistants in on it too. And there we go, you know, have them working for us, but yeah, man, it's childhood is a, a crazy thing. And, uh, I, I like your, your approach there with the 10%. I think that's something I might adopt. We did. I told him, I said that the checking account is yours. We have Greenlight. this app. You, I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, but, I haven't. Uh, it actually allows him to invest as well. So he oh, can cool. choose kind of like a, a retail investment app basically. Um, but I'm like the checking account is yours. That's 50% that goes there. You can buy your laptop or computer. You can buy, 
you know, your video game stuff, whatever you want. The savings account, though, that's for your car. Because I'm like, you're 14. You're going to want a car pretty soon. And I'm telling you right now, in this economy, you're lucky I'm keeping you alive. I can't afford to buy you a car. So <laughs> you better start saving up. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. Nice. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Are you tired of juggling multiple platforms for your marketing and sales needs? It's time to revolutionize your business operations with Wingman. Wingman's an all-in-one marketing automation software. It's designed by experienced marketers who understand your struggles. It's a game changer. It combines the best tools to streamline your communication, automate your workflows, and grow your business. Capture leads using landing pages, surveys, forms, and more. Nurture them with personalized messages via voicemail, SMS, emails, and even Facebook Messenger. And close deals with built-in tools to collect payments, schedule appointments, and track analytics. Say goodbye to multiple marketing tools and hello to Wingman. It's your unified platform for all business needs. You can enhance your online presence, manage your reputation effectively, and cultivate leads effortlessly. So are you ready to take your business to new heights? Visit TrustYourWingman.com today and let Wingman be your co-pilot to success. I to Wingman. But Joe, we are here to talk about you, man. So just like I ask every single guest that's on this show, where'd you come from? How'd you get into entrepreneurship? What is Joe's origin story? Yeah. So let's see. I mean, how far back do we want to go? I mean, you know, it started neighborhood lemonade, um, you know, hanging out, do it, trying to do chores where we could to make some money. Um, but you know, my, my dad was a failed entrepreneur. He never, he never struck it big, never made anything successful. Um, so that was, you know, I, I think I, I got the itch from him, uh, you know, and I watched, unfortunately watched his struggles and hit, but, but I always knew what he was going after. And then in high school, you know, when rich dad, poor dad came out, I read that book. And for some reason at that age, at that time, realizing like kind of the next couple of years or, you know, is off to college and it's whatever it, it like that hit me better than anything. And so I read that book for the next couple of years over and over, um, and really, really understood the concept and the, and the depth of what it actually meant and what it would mean. And I think that really laid the groundwork and said, no, I'm not working for other people. You know, and I, I served tables in college and that was, and that was that. Um, but when I realized that I wasn't going to, you know, make it to the MBA or anything like that, I realized that, you know, college probably wasn't for me. I should probably go start a business because that's my thing. And so I started a business, uh, <laughs> I started a company that was, doing promotional sales door to door, literally walk into a business and sell whatever was in your hand. And, um, we went from two to 40 employees in about two and a half years. And then I actually sold the company. Um, so I was in my early twenties, sold my first business, had no idea what I was doing when I sold it. So probably got taken advantage of. Um, I look back and realize, like, man, I gave them a pretty damn good deal. And, uh, but then I got into real estate and I was investing and, um, you know, and then the market crashed in 08 and 09. And so I kind of lost everything. And then um, I kind of stumped or somebody during that time when I'm kind of losing it all, my uh, a buddy of mine introduces me to the four hour work week. Oh, and of yeah. course, uh, you know, I sit down and I go, okay, this is kind of interesting. So I read the book and then I go, you know, I, I got I to gotta pursue this. And so I decided to pack everything up and move from Northern California to San Diego to Southern California. Got, got a little place down there and living right by the beach. And I said, all right, now let's sit down and I'm going to go through this book page by page. And I'm going to build this business out of this book a hundred percent how he did it. And um, so I did, and I built an e-commerce business. I had virtual assistants running the company. 
Um, it was successful. It ran, I mean, it funded my life. I got to travel and go to Costa Rica for a long time and, you know, travel around the country and visit friends and, you know, just explore. And it was a, it was an absolute blast. Um, but the one rule in the book I didn't follow, which was do not sell ingestibles. And I did, <laughs> and it turned out that down the road, the FDA, uh, didn't want anybody selling this, you know, homeopathic product. And so that got, you know, canned and I couldn't sell the product anymore and couldn't buy it. And so it was off to, okay, what's next? And people had reached out to me and said, Hey, like, how, how did you, you know, how are you marketing your products? How are you doing this with marketing? And it, you know, I was like, well, I mean, it's kind of common sense, right? Like, I mean, there's advertising and then there's, you know, all the marketing channels and what you can get in front of people. And I, I just thought everybody should know this. And it turned out I kind of had a little knack for marketing. So I started doing some consulting and just helping some small business, you know, people that I knew. And then I got an offer to come help um, with uh, Keller Williams out in Austin. So went there and then they had a training program called Maps Training. And so I went there and we actually built that, that company up and it became one of the biggest training companies in the, or, you know, coaching companies in the, in the country. And then after that, I went and I started an agency. The whole time I'm using virtual assistants in the background. And so everything on the front end is me. Everything in the back end is virtual assistants in, you know, in the Philippines. And so um, as I launched my agency, we were kind of a do it all for everybody, which is like the worst kind of agency in the world, right? We do everything. And who's our client? Anybody. If anybody had any money, we took it. And then we figured out how to do the service. Yep. And, you know, we're shooting commercials with all this, you know, $200,000 worth of camera equipment. And we've got this fancy office with glass doors and walls and, you know, this amazing conference room that all of our clients are going to come visit us and nobody ever showed up ever. Nobody came to our <laughs> office. And so, you know, a little while down the line, I, next thing I know, I turn around and I've got 20 something employees in the U S like in the office every day, I've got computer equipment everywhere. We've got camera equipment and, you know, video. And these guys are talking about, you know, wanting a car that we, they can lug the stuff around and we're thinking about a company vehicle. And then all of a sudden the two clients that we had that were the biggest both that they were, they accounted for about 40% of all of the revenue. They both canceled in like a 10 or 14 day window. And the entire company went like to a halt. And I went, Oh my God, we literally have no money. And so then it became, well, all we got to do is go get a couple, you know, get a few more clients. Well, that's not happening. And the person who's doing business development isn't performing. And everything's just excuses and everybody's got their reasons that things aren't performing well. And another client cancels and you can tell the morale is just on its way to, to nowhere. I, uh, at that time I took on about a quarter of a million dollars in debt, just paying salaries and making sure that people had pay, you know, every single month and they got paid and I didn't. And I was just trying to keep the place afloat thinking all we need is that few more clients. Like that's it. That's all we need. And it wasn't happening. And um, a mentor told me, he goes, look, like, number one, your agency structured wrong because you're doing everything for everyone. And if everyone's your client, nobody's your client. And I was like, all right, good point. And he says, you know, you need a niche down, do one thing well for one niche, and you're going to be super successful. That's all you have to do. And at the time, I was a little stuck in my ego. And, you know, I was like, well, what are you doing in revenue? And he's like, oh, we're doing like $60,000 a month. And, you know, I got two people on my team. And I'm like, but we're doing, we're doing way more than that. Like, I'm not going to, you know, and he's like, you need to close down the agency. I'm like, I'm not closing it down. We're doing way more than you, but I have way big overhead. Yeah. And I kind of realized I was like, man, I got to listen. I should listen to this guy, but I didn't. 
And I kept stacking the debt and stacking the debt. And we'd gain two clients, lose one, gain a client, lose two. And it was just like, it was maddening. I later, I don't know, six months went by or something. I see an interview with him and Sam Ovens, who I'm sure you're aware of. And he's on this and he's being interviewed and he went from 60 to 400,000 a month like that. Hmm. And I text the guy and I was like, what did you do? And he's like, you didn't listen to me, did you? That's all he texted me back. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> so within, I, I think I, I say it's like two days. It was probably a week, but a couple days later, I actually ended up firing everybody in the company, shut down everything, stopped paying my office lease, ended up getting sued by them. And we settled out of, you know, out of court and dealt with all that. But I shut everything down. And so now I'm in debt and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to follow this guy's advice, I got to go one niche, go narrow. Um, and so I decided to relaunch an agency in the wedding industry which is one piece of advice he gave me, which now I give to every, everybody that I talk to was pretty straightforward. If any of your clients were to call you, when any of your clients were to call you on a Sunday and you're hanging out with your kids, which one of your clients would you answer the phone for? Mm. And I was like, like one, only one person. And the only reason was because I know he's not calling me with a fire. He's not calling me with something bad. So I was like, one person, he goes, that's your niche, go into that niche. And I was like, shoot. So he was a wedding venue. And so I said, well, yeah, we're crushing it for him. Like, there's no issues. We're killing it. Like, that sounds like a good niche. I know it. I've been around his venue for like a decade. So I know it inside and out. So we launched an agency in the wedding industry. We did one thing. We had one marketing solution. We implemented that and we did it over and over and over. It was complete, completely predictable. And I had a very, very systematic process on how we actually built the business, ran the business, fulfilled services, every detail of it. And we went from zero to a hundred grand in four months, a uh, hundred grand a month in four months. And then we doubled it four months later. And I was like, okay, I'm onto something. Like I've got, I, I actually figured something out. And so then I kind of had the virtual assistant business kind of running on the side, but we were just kind of like helping our clients with VAs. And then I'm like, okay, we can do it with that business too. And so we did. And then the company exploded and that became the biggest business I had. And so that's kind of love turn. Yeah. So that's how I got to kind of this point. And then there's a, a bunch of twists and turns in between, but yeah. So now yeah, we're there. Churn, man, churn's like the worst freaking thing that you can deal with. It, it's something that, uh, in our agency right now that we're discussing, you know, it's the same, same thing. Like it's such a pain when you feel like you make all these great steps forward and then, you have people who just, and not always for bad reasons. Sometimes it's just, you know, the economy is taking a downturn. And unfortunately, people don't understand that marketing shouldn't be the first thing that you cut. Oh my God, I Because know. marketing is what's helping you gain new business. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, if you're going to cut it, you better have a plan in place. Um, and it just, it gets disheartening because you're right. It's, it's like you feel like you're constantly being pushed further back than you are accelerating. Even when you're doing great numbers. Right. That overhead is killer yeah. sometimes for certain agencies. So now we're back and it's, it's 100% VAs. So I, you know, I, I run my businesses completely virtual, no offices. Yeah. So no, not even, I was gonna say, so no office at all. No office. I mean, I mean, I'm in my house. This is my home right. office, which, you know, um, but yeah, no, no offices, no rent, um, none of that stuff. And everybody's virtual. So everybody gets to work from their own home. So what is it that level nine is doing specifically for clients? So are you, is this still your agency that's niched into 
wedding venues no, no, no. or so what is it exactly no, that you do? So that's a completely separate business. So wedding booking system is my agency in the wedding space. We still operate that. We've serviced over 700 venues. Um, so the, the it, it's a very successful agency. The Level 9 Virtual is a virtual assistant services company. So we actually provide VAs to small businesses. And the majority of our market is uh, agencies. And so we work with a ton of agencies. And you know what we want to do is we want to provide the marketing service so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is growing your business. And yep. you should be doing the things that entrepreneurs are supposed to do, right? You be the visionary. You go make the business bigger. You go make the business better. You go do amazing things and create services and products and stuff that are going to completely fulfill your clients. Let the VAs do all the stuff on the back end. And that's the service that we provide. So we have dedicated virtual assistants who can work within your business directly with you. So they're dedicated to just you. We have our projects on demand service, what we call pods. And you can assign any task that you can imagine. I need graphic design work done, video editing, website built, funnel built, landing pages designed, uh, CRM integrations, you know, marketing automation, you know, uh, setup, you know, email campaign setup, whatever it is, All, everything marketing related in the world, like we we do it in house. So it's like the idea of going to like Upwork. The only difference is you don't have to guess, right? We've already done it a thousand times, and so you're getting people who are specialized in the thing that you're looking to have done. And then we have like, you know, we have a call center. So we have live answering of, uh, you know, inbound, inbound leads. So we call it live lead nurture. So anytime you have inbound leads that come in, text, email, Google, you know, voice, you know, or uh, what is it? Google my business, uh, Facebook messaging, however they're coming in, inbound calls, we can, we can take them live. So, man, yeah. I love it. You know, a lot of people, I think, look down on, on that, right? <laughs> they look at the fivers and, yep. and all that kind of thing. And they have this bad taste in their mouth and, I understand because there are a lot of really bad, whether it's VAs or um, any type of, you know, whatever they're doing for your company, any type of outsourcing can definitely be filled with scams, spam, and, you know, other like just poor work, right? right? Maybe they're, they're doing what they can, but when you paid them 20 bucks to do a logo design for you, you got to get $20 logo logo. instead of, <laughs> yeah, you know, but <clears throat> there are those gold mines out there. Oh, yeah. And when you come across them, it's like, they're no longer that Fiverr guy that I go to, or that 99 designs girl that I go to that, you know, does a good job. It's yeah. like, they become a part of your company because yeah. they're people that you trust. So it seems like what you've done is you've kind of worked with the ones that are good enough and then combine them into a place to where I know as a client, if I go to level nine and I need something done, it's going to be quality work. I don't have to sort through hundreds of nope. thousands of people that are out there trying to get my business. I don't have to sort through uh, language barriers. I don't have to sort through bad projects that came back with an yeah. unhappy client. This is something where I know when I put out that ticket and say, I need this job done, it's going to come back to me done the way I want. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in, in, you know, we have, I mean, and we have, we have the right layers within the company too. I mean, we have, you know, from project managers who are overseeing every project that's submitted, they manage the team of the, the actual fulfillment team who actually do the work and they're managing and overseeing those projects. And they look at them before they ever get back to you. So mm. it's like, if for some reason something came through and it's like, ah, that quality isn't where it should be, you know? then we need to take it back to the drawing board and you know you would never know that there was ever a bad design right or whatever because it would be fixed Absolutely. before you would ever see it 
And so that's I mean, it where, happens. Yeah. And, and, and it does, right. And, and something's going to go wrong and somebody's having an off day or whatever, but like, you're never going to get to that point because we are going to make sure that we filter it using our project management team. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get paid for by your client Correct. is to make sure that, you know, right. I mean, and, and I think some people have a hard time kind of connecting those two where it's like, well, why would I pay you when I can just go straight to them? And it's like, okay, yeah, if it. you want to learn how to work with them and you want to learn the good ones and the bad ones, and you want to make five, six, $7,000 worth of mistakes hiring the wrong people like I have, oh, yeah. then by all means, or you can pay me a lot less than that. And then I won't allow you to make those mistakes right. because I'm going to guide that. Like there's nothing wrong with that business model, but I think as people become more aware of it, they'll kind of understand that. Yeah. Uh, so is this like a, a monthly subscription type thing yeah. or is this like a pay for credits? How does that work? No. So on, um, so we always do just, just reups on auto billing, but if you get a dedicated virtual assistant, you're paying somebody on a monthly basis for them to be in your business. So we manage the VA, we're managing their payroll, we're managing, you know, their timekeeping, we're managing everything. So we have all the software to do all that stuff. You don't have to go buy it. All you do is you get placed with the VA. They show up to work in your business. You give them access to your systems, your processes, everything you need. You teach them what they need to know about your business so that they can actually do what you want them to do. So then they're in your business. They work with you every single day. They check in in the morning, start of day report, end of day report at the end of the day. We manage and make sure that their attendance is there, that they're showing up on time, they're being productive, they're clocking their time correctly, You know that there's nothing out of, out of the ordinary. And that's just a monthly subscription that you pay for. And then we have our projects on demand service, which is also a monthly subscription, but you're, but you can do two different options. You can buy a 25 hour block or a 40 hour block at time, and you can use it over the course of the entire month. And so if you bought 40 hours and you say, well, I want to, I want to submit five tasks at one time. No problem. Cause we're just going to use the 40 hours across five different projects. It doesn't matter how you use it. And so then when right. you run low on hours, we say, Hey, by the way, you're running low on hours. Do you want to just go ahead and re-up? And then we re-up and your month starts over. And it's super easy. If you're using the live lead nurture service, it's a monthly fee and that's it. And then the team answers every single inbound you know, message that comes through and we connect our, our softwares together and, and that's it. So on the, um, on the monthly block service, whenever I'm buying those, you know, let's say 40 hours worth of work or 40 yeah. units worth of work, if I only use 20, do those 20 roll over? They don't. Or? So no. So what okay. we want to do is we want to advise you, like, what do you got on, on deck? If you've got 25 hours, we're going to give you an estimate. Like don't get 40 because 25 is going to do. Um, we don't do the rollovers just simply just because of the volume, because we have too much, the volume of clients that we have, if we were to do a rollover and then all of a sudden you just rolled over like 40 hours and then you submit 30 tasks, like in a week, we're going to be very, very stressed on the amount of staff that we have. And it's going to lengthen the time that it takes to actually get to the projects that are in queue. And it's going to create a, a it's just going to create a shitty effect. So what we decided to do is do no rollovers. Let's just do a better job of advising. And I mean, the reality is, is that most of our clients get a 40 hour block. I, I, I mean, we have very few that do 25 anymore. They do a 40 hour block. And before the end of the month, they always re up because they use their hours. So what I'm grateful for is that they're they're leveraging the service effectively, number one, and that they're getting good results so that they're wanting to come back and they continue to use the service. And so that's very helpful. If you were to kind of look at it in a different way, let's say that you had the capacity to do a thousand hours of work per month, obviously just making up numbers here, but if you as a company had a thousand hours per month capacity in VAs to do work, and then people were buying 40 of those at a time and you have that many clients, like you said, 
at some point in time, if they're not using their credits, they're saving them. And then it, all of a sudden they surprise you with it. And now they're submitting 14 to 1500 worth of hours of work. And you're like, dude, I can't do double the work. All I have is a thousand capacity. So that makes total and perfect sense. Um, I think what, what I've run into in the past with services that have been similar has just been the quantity of work done is not what's promised up front. As far as, you know, you, you say, well, we're going to have 30 tasks. Like it's unlimited tasks is a lot of times what they say per month and you're just paying. Yeah. And then you submit, you know, five or six projects the first couple of months that you're with them. Dude, they knock those five or six projects out. You're great. But this is over a whole month, you know? So you're like five or six projects should have been two to three weeks worth of yeah. work max, especially when it's little stuff. And then you start submitting more and then it becomes, well, you have one person that's assigned to all of your yeah. stuff and they can only work on it so much per day. And I'm like, I get what you're trying to manage here, but it seems like your idea may be a better way to kind of manage that where I know upfront how much I can get, how much I'm using. Yeah. And then I would rather have to purchase more for the rest of the month than just kind of get screwed out of that because then I have to have conversations with my contacts where it's like, well, the reason we haven't got to your work now is what, (laughs) what's the reason, Yeah, (laughs) you know? So yeah. And we've, we've just done such a good job navigating this because I didn't want that effect. I, because we've already done it. We bought service over here and it's like, it's unlimited. You can have as much as you want. And you know, I've seen it and I'm like, I know exactly what you're going through because we've felt it before, but we've never offered that unlimited or like, just do whatever. One of the areas that we've gotten pretty good at is, is, you know, we, we obviously report very consistently so that you know how many hours are left. So you always know, okay, my, my, you know, my next re-up is on, you know, July 20th. And right now, you know, that's coming up in a couple of days. I still have 10 hours left. Sweet. What do I have on deck? Like, let me get some stuff off my plate. Boom. You submit it. And then, you, you know, you're getting your projects done, but we re- report really well. So, you know, exactly how many hours you have left. It's um, very consistent. Um, our teams really, they're getting pretty damn good at estimating the task. So allocation of time, you know, so when they say like, Hey, something's going to take eight hours, they're, they're pretty close. Like, you know, you might get a 30 minute, you know, plus or minus, but it's pretty darn close. So what was the start of this company for you? Like, when did you start it? And then kind of how did you have that idea? What were some of your growing pains? You know, these things you're talking about now that you figured out. So um, this, I actually didn't want to do this business, um, which is kind of ironic. Uh, I had one of my VAs who worked with me, who was uh, an ops manager at the time. She came to me and she just said, look, like, you know, we're doing this kind of on the side for clients because everybody kept saying, hey, you know, how do you find your VAs? And I would just tell them, I'm like, Hey, try this, do this. And you know, like, here's how we, you know, review resumes and here's what we're doing. And here's how we test people and all that. And, uh, so that VA who was working in my agency, she comes to me and she says, look, like you're leaving money on the table, you know, just, and so she actually brought me numbers and said, Hey, this is how many people over this period of time came and asked, you gave them the information for free and you didn't, you didn't place them. You could have been. And I'm like, I look at the numbers and all of a sudden I'm like, that's a real business. I'm like, shit. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. I mean, I don't want to run the business. So if you guys, if you'll run it, then we can do it. And so we launched the business and we kind of just went to our existing clients and said, Hey, if you guys want a VA, you know, we've got VAs and, um, it went well. And, you know, you got, I don't know, 30 clients and you know, you're making, you know, $50,000 a month and it's, it's a good business. And then, um, you know, once we relaunched the agency though, in the wedding space and we went down and I realized that the actual model on the back end, when I did it effectively, 
I could do that with any business. So we said, you know, let's do that with level nine and let's actually go out and try to build this business. And so, you know, we were able to, to go out and we, you know, we went direct to, to who we wanted. We actually just DM'd cold email, like no ads. We spent no money on advertising. We, I mean, we hit almost 10 million before we ever even ran an ad. And so, um, I mean, we just went hardcore. I got in early on a platform on a CRM, uh, marketing tool. I got in early. So I got to be part of the wave of, of everybody that was there. So a little timing supported us. And, you know, we've offered services that have aligned with who we're serving pretty well. Um, and the company just continued to grow. And then COVID hit, of course. And we noticed that a lot of the agencies we were serving who, the funniest thing is like the agencies that were like big guys in the agency world. And you're like, these guys got tons of money and they're crushing it. They were the first people to have their credit cards decline. When, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute like, hold on. And then I started to understand like, you know, the entire marketing world is a facade. Right. And so, um, half the people who are anybody are not that far off of being broke. And I said, this is kind of, this is kind of interesting, but at the end of the day, they're losing their clients, but they're not trying to close down their business. And so while they're not able to pay for, you know, maybe our full dedicated VAs, I was like, well, hold on, like something's up here. We should pivot a little bit create a different service. So we created the projects on demand service and went all in on that. The company exploded through COVID and we just got, you know, grew tremendously. I think we, we grew by eight, eight X or so during COVID. It was insane. And then, you know, some of the growing pains have just been trying to navigate that staff wise, developing new divisions in the company. You know, we had an ops manager that could manage pretty much everything, HR operations, fulfillment teams, she can manage all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you add a few hundred more VAs and it's like, wait, okay, that's a whole different world. Now we need somebody in HR. Now we need a finance division. Now, you know, it's like, so now we're adding all, we had to add all those pieces to it. And so those were some of the biggest growing pains was just figuring out our, our internal infrastructure. After we figured out growth, it was fine to grow. It was fine to do well, but then you hit this wall where it's like, well, now you have to manage all these people. So what does that look like? you know, and how's that going to go? And then, you know, how are their needs being met, you know, beyond just them showing up to work every day? So th those were some of the major growing pains that we hit. This isn't an insult by any means, because I think that good, successful entrepreneurs, there's always a little bit of luck involved. But what luck, you know, and it has to give you survivor's guilt, kind of, of like, the luck that you hit that you were so involved with virtual assistance. And then when COVID hit, all it did was force everyone to have to become comfortable with working remote. And that obviously changed the landscape. I think in 2019 or before, if you were to talk to a marketing agency or any business and talked about virtual assistance and people being able to help you from home and working from home primarily, most of it us would have probably turned our nose up. Yeah, yeah it was like, much more. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you not a real company? Well, and, it, and it was, and it was, uh, the quality can't be very good if somebody's working from home, which was just like so yeah. ironic. And, <laughs> you know, there was only, you know, there were only niches, you know, like the real estate niche got into virtual assistants before most other people. Um, and so they were kind of in it and, and that worked. And then agencies kind of started to come around because freelancing was such a big thing and freelancing is yeah. just kind of outsourcing anyway. Um, it is. And yeah. so, you know, but the, the challenge with freelancing is that 
if just the idea of freelancing, hopping from client to client, you end up getting the same result when you hire a freelancer, which is something we've figured out. Mm -hmm. And that's been a major growing pain. Anytime that we hire a freelancer, they end up burning us because they just hear of another, you know, somebody like recruits them and they're going to get a dollar more an hour. Or yeah. they're going to get a project that's worth an extra 500 bucks and they'll like just drop everything to go grab the money. And so, but the moment that we hire people and we discuss careers and we discuss the culture of our company and what we're after and what we're trying to do as a culture, they stay forever. But it's weird. As soon as somebody has a freelancing mentality, it is like, we literally will not even hire them anymore. Yeah. And you know, the moment somebody comes to us, they're like, well, you know, I, I got this other client. I'm like, nope, we're done. Nope. And, and the reason is, is because I know the game. I've watched it uh, a thousand times by now. So yeah. So we just, uh, we, we've just figured out who we're after as far as a team goes, who we want as clients. And, you know, we, uh, now we kind of narrow down who our client is and, you know, we, we ended up letting one slip in. I just found out today this per it's like literally this morning, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, this guy is decides he's not going to pay his invoice. And it just reminds me, I'm like, you know what, let me go look. And you know, I go and I look and I'm like, yeah, like this guy's broke. And, and I, I I'm like, yeah. And then I go back through the conversation. I'm trying to figure out what the conversation was. And we usually vet our clients pretty well when it comes to, can you afford us? Because what I'm totally against is somebody going in and they're going to say, Hey, I'm going to commit and I'm going to hire this virtual assistant and we're going to, we're going to put them on our team. And then 30 days later, their their credit card declines. And then they go, you know, screw the VA I'm canceling. And you're like, wait, 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 hold on. No, our contract literally says you can't do that. We don't drop VAs and give them no income out of nowhere. Like that's just shitty. That's just a bad thing yeah. to do. And so, um, but it just reminded me, it was like one person slipped through the crack that was, you know, doesn't have any money. They're broke and they were testing this out. Didn't bother to let us know. And so like for me now, I'm like, we get to pick and choose our clients. We're a big enough company that we don't have to take everybody. Like just because somebody's interested and they've, they, they want to pay doesn't mean that they're going to be a good fit. And, you know, we got kicked in the teeth today. And so I'm really, really upset that that slipped through the cracks, but that's a growing pain. You know, that's something that you've got to recognize. And so now I got to go to my sales team and be like, you've got to vet these people. Like we have to make sure that these are the right candidates, you know? So oh, I've definitely run into it on the sales side with a marketing agency where, you know, you're hungry for clients. I mean, because, and you work with more agency owners, so you probably know better than me, but I feel like a lot of agency owners are stuck in the rut of, and ourselves included, this was a change we had to make this year where we're basically freelancers. You yes. know, like you said at the beginning of this thing, it was like, we're hungry. So give us anything. You want a website, SEO, <laughs> you want uh, podcasting, you want video production, you want um, paid advertising, media buying, like whatever it is you want, we offer it. And if we don't, we'll figure out how to offer it and then do it for you. Correct. Like 100%, we got you. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we were really good at a lot of it. And then there were things that we knew we weren't that great at. So we didn't charge a whole lot for, or we really worked with some clients on that whole, like, Hey, we're figuring things out. Yep. So let's just go through this together. We'll sort it out <laughs> in the end, you know? And, and then we figured out like, mm, no, we need to kind of bring it back and focus on what we know we're good at right. and only do that. And especially find one niche that you know that you can help someone you've had success in that market before. And there's no questions asked when you come to me, 
this like, is going to be it. out of the ballpark yep. and amazing for you, you know? And for us, one big one we're noticing is just websites have always been our bread and butter and we can just build a spectacular website, especially if we do exactly what you're talking about now. And that's vet clients. But the problem is when I came in as a salesman, I was so hungry that it was like, okay, we'll sell to you and you and you and you and you. And then three, four months later, you build this nice $12,000 website on an MRR basis a monthly recurring basis. And then four months in after the website's beautiful, launched, ready to go, now they want to just cancel. And it's like, well, they don't get anything out of it. They can't take their website with them until they pay it off. But we're losing out on MRR. And now we're missing a client that we were doing work for. And we did all of this hard work for four months worth of pay instead of 24 months worth of our lifetime value. Yeah. So we kind of started changing that around now. And we even found it's nice when we can find those clients we sell to that we can say, what do you love about a good website? And what do you hate about a, ba a bad website? And that is all we need to know from you. Right. From there, we're going to build a website. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and we'll have a really nice website for you to look at and tell us if you want to continue in this direction. And that's where we find the biggest amount of success where clients are just overjoyed and they're like, oh my God, this is, you've hit it out of the ballpark, you know? And so I'm with you. It's like, you've got to kind of find that way to go through your potential clients and find who you want to work with. And you can't do that if you've got a million dollar office and a million dollar oh, company yeah. car and $3 million employees and people don't understand, you know, you can pay for that virtual assistant with you, which I guarantee is cheaper than hiring someone even for at sure. minimum wage, because now you've got HR that you've got to have. Now you've got potential lawsuits if you fire someone because, you know, they said the wrong thing and that makes them mad that you fired them or you've got unemployment benefits or so many things that you have to carry that you don't have to when you have that virtual assistant. Yeah. So I love this idea. I think what you're doing is great. Yeah. No, and I mean, you know, one of the areas that's that's always funny to me is so we're kind of like middle upper in the price point for VAs and I stay there so that we can staff everybody that we have staffed HR and our, t you know, our recruitment team and and our finance team and, and all of those things. And so there's layers to our company that have to just be compensated for in order to provide our service. But what you get with our service is so much better than trying to just go find somebody on your own, try to figure out if they're decent, that doesn't work out, go back and try to find another one. Eventually you just, you just get burned out and then you don't, you don't even end up taking a VA and you're like, well, I had a bad experience with a virtual assistant, so you won't do it again. But like I, you know, we now have six companies that are, 95% run by VAs. And I get to actually be who I am, which is I'm, you know, I'm the visionary, right? I, I call myself a strategic advisor. My, my mission in each of the companies is to step in and say, okay, where is the company needing to go now? And what resources need to be allocated to each of those companies? And then I make those decisions. This is where we're going. This is the resources you have available to get us there. And then we have an integrator, we have an operations team, we have a fulfillment team and they execute. And then I get to come back and I get to look at it and say, okay, now what does that look like? How is it working out? Is this performing well? And then when I come up with some, you know, genius idea that I want to go test, I get to go play with that idea and play the visionary and do that and have fun with it. And if it becomes something, then we can move forward. But I don't, you know, I, I don't have to stay in the day-to-day -day operations and sit and hold hands. You know, we have a team that does that. And so that, and, and again, this is virtual assistance. This is not like somebody sitting at a desk next to me in a building. This is people in the Philippines. 
And what's interesting, you know, when people don't understand that you can acquire talent in other countries for a fraction of the cost, what they don't understand is that the quality could be better. There's, there's a good potential. The quality could be better. Right. And the diff and, and so what's interesting is when people are looking at building a team, a lot of times they want to, you know, okay, let me get my office space. Let me get a couple employees and we're going to, we're all sit together and we're going to, we're going to crush this thing. Right. Well, the problem is it depends where you are. So I'm in Bozeman, Montana, which has 55,000 people. Maybe the entire Valley has a hundred thousand. My options to find exceptional people for very specialized roles, my options are extremely limited. The number one industry here is farming. The second one is construction. It isn't marketing. It isn't creative. It isn't tech. Like that's not where I live, right? I live next to the mountains. And so there's a lot of outdoor activity and all that. And and there isn't this huge surplus of people who have an exceptional amount of creative talent. So my opportunity to actually build a company with specialized people right here locally is impossible. I could get mediocre and then we could run a business with a bunch of mediocre people, or I can actually go look in countries like the Philippines and I can say, okay, I want to build a team of people. And I want, when I hire somebody, I want them to be educated. So like my lead developer has a master's degree and he's a professor. Wow. And I'm a college dropout. So like a lot of my team is far more educated than I am. They're far more experienced in their specialization. And that's what I want. And so I'd put, you know, I'd put a lot of my guys head to head with anybody in the U S and say, yeah, let's go. You know? And that's why you look at a lot of these big companies, where's their big development teams. They're in India. They're not even here, you know, even right. Google and, and all these big companies, you know, a lot of their engineers and, and stuff, they're in Pakistan and, and they're, they're overseas. So, um, you know, the idea that you can get talent at a really high level in another country is, you know, is impressive. I think people just need to go through the experience and see it and understand it. You know, you can't, you you don't know what you don't know. I mean, it's that simple. And so I think for us, a lot of the times, especially when there is such a a good, strong pull towards, and I love this, I'm not talking down on it, but being patriotic, you know, made in America, even if it's a service still kind of stands as something that we want to stand behind as American citizens. And I respect it. And I think it's great. Uh, That's me too. But at the same time, these are still people Yep. and they're not just because they're from a different country doesn't mean that they're dumb. It doesn't mean that they don't understand. It doesn't mean that they can't learn it, even if they don't know it. You know, like you said, you've got very motivated people with a a totally different mindset from us, too. And that can't hurt. It can only help. You can make wrong decisions. Sure. And if, if you've got the money, if you have you can afford the overhead, you have the clientele and this isn't an issue for you. That's great. I wish you luck. But if you're that struggling entrepreneur right now, and I think that so many of us are because we are those visionaries. Yeah, we are, we are the ones that want to chase every golden opportunity that we see because we know we can make it something. And this might be your opportunity to take some of that weight off your shoulders and say, hey, you know what? You know, just like you, you didn't even want to do this company. Right. <laughs> you had a VA that was like, you're an idiot for not doing this. You said, I'm right. Let's try it. And then boom, the company takes off and does something, you didn't even have to put all of your eggs in That's that basket. Right. You put just a little bit, yep. you tried it, it worked, it took off. So then you put some more eggs in that basket versus as entrepreneurs, we say, well, you know what? I didn't sell that many websites this month. So now let's move to SEO and then let's move to this oh, and then let's yeah. move to this. 
you spread your eggs throughout everything and then you don't have enough resources to put all that you have into it because all that you have is spread everywhere. Right. So I can see this. It's kind of one of those things that you already know, but it's still mind blowing to hear someone say, I mean, I think that you're on the right track. Do you educate coach and consult as well? I know you talked a little bit about that earlier. So I do a little bit. Um, I've been asked a lot over, gosh, the past six months, probably more than I have in my entire career. Um, I've been asked to put together some sort of a training to teach people really more, more importantly than anything else is the business process. So like, so as I mentioned, like we have six companies that are operated by VAs. The only reason that's even possible is because the actual business, the way that it's structured is they're all six of them are identical. So I can pick up, let's say somebody works within HR in one company. I can pick them up and move Mm. them to another. Their role is identical. The terminology of what that company does and how they, how they, phrase things might be slightly different just because it's a different industry. So clients versus patients, right. Or clients versus customers, um, you know, leads versus inquiries, you know, things like that. Those might be a little bit different, but the actual structure, how we operate the company has exact crossover so that everybody in one company can work in another with very little need to educate them on much more, Uh, depending, you know, if they're front facing, then maybe a little bit more, but very little that process has allowed me to live genuine freedom, like genuine freedom. I have ungodly amounts of time and financial resources, and we don't have to run the companies, you know, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. I step in when it's absolutely dead necessary, or I get to be a strategic advisor and an investor in the company. And I get to kind of explore new ideas and, you know, and then my passion is investing in real estate. And so we buy properties and, and all that. So, um, I, I, so I do do some little bit here and there. I try to price myself out. So most people won't want to, but, um, for those people who are interested and, and I mean, it, you know, if they're, if they're genuinely interested and it's, it's, a, it's an entrepreneur that I can see who's going to actually do what we discuss and what we, you know, what we work together on, if they're actually going to execute on it, then let's like, that'd be fun. But if they're not going to, which most people who buy coaching don't do anything, they don't actually fulfill it. And so it's like, I don't want to, I don't want somebody to give me money and then not do what they're paying me to give them advice on. I don't want that. And so, because I see it so often with, you know, people who coach, you know, you look, the churn with coaching is insane. Um, I don't want to be a part of that side. So I price myself exceptionally high so that people don't want to do business with me for the most part. Um, and then, but those who do, we just crush it and we build cool stuff. And actually most of the time when that happens, we end up doing something together where either I invest into their company or, um, we do a project together or something, something later comes out of it. That's pretty awesome. And so, and that's the stuff that I love. Have you written a book yet about it? No, I hate writing. Yeah. Oh, but I feel like that needs to be. I know. You know, so maybe if it's not a book. It might have to be a ghostwriter. I might just like, let me just or, talk and somebody write it. Yeah. Or a webinar, you yeah. know, a course, some type well, of. Well, the course like, is where the you're thing not that just, I, yeah, that's what I keep getting asked for. And so it, it's been, uh, genuinely, it's been on my heart lately that I feel like I, I feel, I've been so lucky blessed, whatever we want to call it. We have been so fortunate and, you know, yes, plenty of it is skill. 
Some of it is timing. Other things are just like circumstance. Like this, you know, you can't just call it luck because I drug through the mud and I went through complete bullshit and, and hell to get here. But because I did it and I'm here and I talk about it plenty, like we have conversations about it. I'm on podcasts and the conversation. So now the DMs come in and they're like, Joe, like, do you have a course that I could learn exactly how you did it? You know, and I, you know, I almost feel like I have, um, it's unfair for the market if I don't. And there's plenty of people who have done it and they've done their own version of it. The difference is I don't know anybody who's fully running companies autonomously with just virtual assistants. I don't know many people doing it. And that's what was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. How many competitors do you really have that are doing exactly what you do? And I mean, Hey, you know, you're a fan of Branson and all that stuff. I mean, so you already know you could be the shark that's in that water or you could be a fish trying to feed off of what the shark's already torn up. Yeah. What a, like, congratulations on getting yourself there. Like, that's great. Um, But if I came hiking with you up one of those mountains in Montana, are we going to go on this nasty, rigid, horrible path because you're adventurous or for that first time, are you going to take me down the path you've already been on <laughs> and the path, you know, is going to give me fun and adventure yeah. without risking my entire life, yeah. you know? So I'm like, <laughs> it's your time to write for the sure. four hour work week, but it's the, the zero hour virtual assistant work week. Like this is your time to shine. I feel like and it's definitely a book I would read yeah. or a class I would take. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think before the book, the course to me, the, just some sort of a training, something, uh, would be more up my alley. It'd be more fun to me because we, then, then that could be very interactive. The book, you know, like people don't make a ton of money off books, but you can, you know, the book would be so, it would be something that if it's sold, whatever, it, like it could go. And then I could never know who, who that was. But in a course, we could create community to where we could go, okay, we can actually measure results that are coming from this. It's hard to do that. I I feel like it's hard to do that with books where you might get some feedback. The books changed my life and it's awesome. You know, like I've had plenty of those books that I've read, but I think the course, like we could actually keep it, you know, again, I would price it so that only people who are going to execute are going to buy it. Right. So it's going to be expensive. Um, But what I think that we could deliver is people's freedom. I think I could genuinely create freedom with people. And when I mean that, I, I mean like you're going to, you're never going to miss anything with your kids ever. So still to this day, there has not been a parent teacher conference. There hasn't been a performance. There hasn't been a, a, a day that I can't go pick up the kids from school. Um, there's nothing like, and so right. I truly believe in building businesses around my lifestyle, not trying to carve a life out of the middle of a business. That's, you know, busy, chaotic, hectic. It needs me. I'm the face of it. I'm all those things. No, I build the business around how I want to live. And so if it doesn't fit my lifestyle, I don't touch it. That goes with investments. It goes with, you know, projects, it goes with coaching. It goes with everything. Why is it that we have this mentality as an entrepreneur, you know, and and I'm victim of it, like 100%. I'm a victim where we even joke about, you know, I got tired of working Monday through Friday, eight to five, you know, 40 hours of work week for someone else. So I decided to be my own boss and now I work 24 seven. And it's like, why, why do we accept that? Why is that something that we're we're all okay with? Because people don't know that there's the other side. And even, you know, even when, you know, I've, I've been on stage with, with dudes that are doing way more than I am. And, um, but they're grinding. And I'm like, I, I, I actually have like, I have total respect you know, like I, I love, um, 
Alex Hermosi, right? And so that dude does nothing but work, but he also has zero hobbies. Like he has nothing else that he wants to do. And he, he admits that he goes, I have no hobbies. I have nothing else I'd rather be doing. Dude, Ugh. that's awesome. But in the winter, like, so I do all this, you know, I do all this on, you know, podcasts and so forth during the down months because I'm not winter during the winter. I snowmobile like daily and it's hard to catch me. And so like, if my team isn't doing their, doing their shit and I'm going to get called in to actually help with something, I'm going to be very angry. Like that's not the time. That's not the season for me. Don't do it during the winter when I'm snowmobiling, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I, I, I look at people who are just grinding along and I'm like, you don't even get to go enjoy anything, you know? And like, we, I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't live that way. I need to yeah. have freedom. I need to have time. I need to be able to explore and, you know, and, and like, there's no better lesson than I can teach my children than to explore with them and actually show them the world and show them life at the same time, you know, building companies, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I hope I mean, that they take that trait with them. It's the same thing with going back to the beginning of our conversation with my 14 year old, you know, right now he's working his face off yep. and he's going to be like, he's already come to me and said, Hey, I, I have this opportunity to go to a water park with my aunt, you know, my yeah. sister, his aunt this weekend, but I've got this client calling me saying they want me to work Wednesday through Sunday. And then I've got Nana, his grandma calling me saying she wants me to come spend the night. And he's, he's already trying to figure this out. You know, yeah. I can see his wheels turning where he's like, how do I balance fun with money? That's going to equal more fun. And I literally told him last night, I said, this is the conundrum that you're going to be in as an entrepreneur or as someone who works for someone else. Yeah. Either way, you've got to make sacrifices. And, and of course, my advice to him was, son, you're going to be an adult soon enough. You don't have to rush to that. So if you want to go to the water park, go to the damn water park yeah. and say no to the work. Like you don't have bills to pay. Yeah. You have wants that you have. So just determine is the want that you have more of a want than going to the water yeah. park right now. But it's it's really been a mind shift change for me. I've been reading Anti-Hustlers Handbook by Alex Schlinsky. Dude, I don't know I'm, if you know him. I'm, I sponsored their event coming up uh, in September. I'm, I'm stoked. I okay. I, dude, I love Alex, man. Yeah. And this is the type of thing that I'm starting to embrace is like, screw this working all the freaking time. Like you have to have downtime. And our agency actually went to that. We do have a little bit of an overhead or footprint um, mixed in with some virtual assistants and stuff like that. And, and you know, we really wanted to focus more on our culture, yeah. especially over the past couple of years. So that's something built out where like in our employee handbook, you can actually read where it says as an employee, one of my guiding principles is I have to give a shit. Like that is actually in our handbook. We give a shit. Yeah. Like that's a part of what we have to do. And so giving a shit also means caring about your employees, you know, and, and as an owner, Andrew has realized that. So we have uh, work from home Mondays. So that's why I'm at home on a Monday instead of in the office. And then on Fridays, we have half day Fridays. And the only requirement to get your half day is at least go have lunch with the team and or let's go to Top Golf or let's go do something right. as a team and just enjoy each other outside of being in the office to work. Let's just go have fun. Yeah. And so this anti-hustler mind is something I'm really starting to try and adopt of I want to make money and I want to work hard and I want to get it done, but I don't want to sacrifice what actually means the most to me because in the end, if Beefy Marketing goes down or OMG Event Co. goes down or any of these companies I'm involved with fail, then 
I'm going to have to go to do something else. And when I go do something else, you know, if I don't last there very long, they're going to replace me in a heartbeat. If I make a mistake, they're going to replace me in a heartbeat. The ones who are always going to be there and are never going to leave me and never want me to leave. It's going to be my wife and my kids that are sitting in the next room. Like that's the most important thing to me. So I'm I'm glad to see that there's someone else like-minded out there that has this, this shift too of, Hey, you know what? Is snowboarding worth more than my livelihood? Yeah, actually, a little bit. <laughs> like, I'd rather go snowboarding what, because been, you know what? What's been so What's been so interesting since I really went down the road of of like I, I'm not doing the office, I'm not doing the twenty, you know, working fifteen hours a week a, a day and and like grinding for the sake of grinding. You know, what's been really interesting to watch is that because you're not going to take all this excess time to work. Your work hours are are shorter. They're tight, right? And so your productivity heightens. And when the productivity heightens to that level, the amount that you actually the output is so much better. It's so much you know. There's more volume. You know, it's the uh, what is it Pareto's principle or whatever, right? So whatever amount of time yep. that you give somebody, they'll consume all of it in order to. That's get how long thing. it's going to take. So yep. it's like when I started to like really understand that and actually put that into practice, all of a sudden it became everything compressed, but while everything compressed, the output actually expanded. And so it was really fascinating to watch how that actually happened just in my own, my own execution on, on projects. But then when I got out of the way, the business grew and the business succeeded far better when I got out of the way. Because I slow everybody down because they come to me, they come to me, they come to me, they come to me. And it's like, okay, stop coming to me. You need to be able to make decisions on your own. We have a layer of people that are there to help you guide that decision and make sure it's the right one and make sure it's using the right resources and not overspending or, you know, blowing budget or whatever it is. And as long as, you know, those people are handling it, nobody's coming to me anymore. And so their decision you know, I, I could sit there and I could check my email and all of a sudden it's like, I have 30 requests from people who need something that I have to sit down and actually review. And I have to, they can't move forward until I review it. Like that's the worst, you know, I am the bottleneck. And so if I eliminate myself from the picture, I'm no longer the bottleneck. And now we get to go address, okay, they used resources to go execute something. How bad was it? Right. How much did we, you know, waste in resources or cash or whatever, And it's like, okay, let's figure out in the grand scheme of things, if we were to look at the money, we were to look at the time, we were to look at everything, how detrimental was it that we gave that freedom? And we can coach people through that, that opportunity. You know, you've got enough freedom to go hang yourself. We don't want that, but you've got enough freedom to go make a mistake, learn a lesson. We could figure out, Hey, that was like, that wasn't the right thing to do. Okay. Move forward. Like that's a good thing. And it didn't require me. And so then all of our results sped up, everything sped up, company grew faster. And I notice every time that I get sticky and I start hanging around inside the business too much, everything slows down. And so the more that I stay back and I stay away and I let people have freedom to make decisions, and then we just evaluate the consequence of those decisions later, it's been phenomenal. And then it gives me what I want, which is time. And, you know, I just to add to that, because I think that's such a great point, but um, coaching rather than disciplining yes, is a big thing that people have to learn. Um, because so many times we get so, I want to say like just 
it's our baby, yeah. right? The company is your baby. It's your money. It's your livelihood. Yep. It's your life. It's your hard work that you put into it when it was just you. It's your failures or successes, all of that. And so when someone else comes along and they make a mistake, it's so easy for us to say, okay, write up or uh, reprimand or some type of verbal argument, or I'm yelling and screaming because this is my baby and I'm, I'm passionate about this and I'm mad. And it's like, step back and know that person's intent. You know, in our office, I've never seen a write-up or a reprimand go right. around in our office ever because not because we're perfect, because there are plenty of mistakes. I've had many times where I sit down with the CEO who is also a friend of mine and high school buddy, and I'm getting my ass chewed out. And it's it's absolutely, you know, warranted and worth it. Like I I get it. But there's also plenty of times where I mess up and I go and I'm like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know why this occurred. You know, like this was my thought processes. This is what I wanted. This was the outcome I thought I was going to have. And it didn't happen. And then we sit there and deconstruct it. And we say, well, let's never do that again. <laughs> and then we move on from it, you know, and just the same. He's done it to us. That's right. Where we're sitting there and he's like, I'm sorry that I made this mistake. And it's like, dude, it happens. Yep. How are we going to move forward? That's from right. It? Like we all make mistakes. Well, I think I, I, I love the concept of failing and failing fast and like making that mistake and then recovering. Now, if you go make the same mistake over and over again, now we have a problem, <laughs> right? And now you probably yeah. aren't the right person to be in the role that you're in. But if you're going to make a mistake and then we go learn from that mistake, that's phenomenal. That's a good thing. And we're okay with that. But what I don't want is I don't want somebody making the same mistake over and over that costs money. It costs relationships. It, it harms the business. Um, you know, I really just want you to go fail, figure it out and do better the next time. And then the failure is gone and we're all moving forward. I love it, man. I, I think there's so much to learn from you. I'm definitely going to connect. You know, I'm lucky, um, unlike our guests, until they go down to the <laughs> uh, show notes and realize that every link that you sent me is there for them as well ahead of time, I get to go connect with you everywhere. But um, just briefly tell us why I should follow you on social media, what you're doing there, oh, and then where I can, you know, just kind of <laughs> like, like uh, throw yourself out yeah. there. And and no, yes, in the show notes, listeners right now, you can see in the show notes, I've got every link that you want, his Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever he wants me to share, I'm going to put it there for him and for y'all to connect. But uh, yeah, man. Are, are you doing anything out there where I can learn so, from you and connect with you? Yeah. So what I'm doing, um, which has been super helpful. So um, I'll, I'll prep it with this. I hate social media. So as a marketer, it's probably the stupidest thing to say, but I don't like social media. I don't like the platforms. I don't like the, the this. I, I don't like any of it, but I'm not naive to the relevance of it in today's culture and our world and business and everything else. So I'm not naive to it. And my team comes to me and they say, Hey, we're trying to run your social media accounts, which by the way, I don't run my social media accounts. So that's not me. Uh, that's my team. I'll jump in comment or whatever, but I don't post anything. I used to try and I thought this is how it's supposed to be. And what I realized is, is that I will never intentionally take a photo, do something, and then remember to go post it later. I never do it. Lamest excuse ever, but it's just because I don't care. I don't care about social media. However, my team is not naive and they say, look, we need content. We need to be able to just share things because I'm on a podcast. Somebody wants to go like figure something out. We need to have content there for them to, to go consume. So here's one of the things that I do. I have a camera running right here on me. So, and I just record myself so that we can create the content. I don't sit and just create content very often. And because I'm on podcasts like a, a two or three a day, um, a couple days a week, 
that is my content. And there's going to be something, a short, a reel, a snippet, maybe a little longer, you know, piece that they can edit, they could pull out, they can post and that's value add to somebody. So what you'll see on social media is a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, lots of shorts, lots of reels, um, stuff that's either pulled from podcasts I've been on things that I've just been, you know, if we're on a zoom call, like for work, somebody's recording it, I say something that's supposed to be valuable and then they cut that up and make it something, you know, it's a post. So what's great is that I share a ton of this. Well, I kind of just tell everything that I know as often as people ask questions and then it's recorded and then it's shared on social media. So I believe, I hope there's a lot of good content on my TikTok, which, um, I don't really use other than content putting out, um, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, every, everything should have similar content because we're sharing it everywhere. Um, but there's lots of stuff. There's, there's tons of nuggets that I hope help somebody somewhere. And then I'll, uh, work on creating that, that course. <laughs> That's amazing. I no, I think it's great, man. Um, I don't know about you, but this has been an amazing episode. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like we connect. We're like-minded. Uh, Alex says, hi, he's over here messaging me oh, perfect. on this podcast right now. Dude, I owe him yeah, a call. Like, Joe's the man. Oh, I owe him a call so bad. He texted me last week and I was like, dude, I, I totally bombed on him. Cause we're, uh, just in the middle of some, some proof and stuff. <laughs> we're uh, getting ready to sell our house. So we're in the middle of putting it on the market. So it's been stressful, but anyway, that's I, right. I, I totally asked him about him, the call that so. John and Andrew owed him a couple of weeks ago. Like we're, we're in the same boat, but yeah, Alex is great. So I, I was like, I totally shouldn't do this while I'm podcasting, but I want to let Alex know that I'm talking to him because it's just crazy when you have those connections yeah, sometimes, for sure. you know, and, and, uh, so he was like, Joe's the man. I love it. So I, I can't thank you enough, man. You I mean, it. it's been over an hour that we've been talking and I think that there's probably two more hours worth of stuff that we could come out with. Oh, I'm so sure. I can't wait to connect with you and just talk, you know, outside of the podcast later and stay in touch and just thank you so much for coming on here. It takes something to share that personal information as well as your business, man. I mean, it's, it means something plus time is valuable. Alex will tell you that, yep. you know, uh, I appreciate everyone's time all the time when they give it to me. So thank you very awesome, much. Man. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of small business origins. I said it at the beginning and I mean it, we couldn't do this thing without you. And for you to take time out of your day to listen to a podcast, and to support these guests we bring on. It means so much to me, and I know every single guest that's here, it means the world to them as well. So, man, just keep supporting us, keep supporting them. If there's anything that we can do to support you and help you out, head over to www.smallbusinessorigin.com and fill out that form. Let us know what it is you want to hear. Let us know who you want to get on the show. Like, this is an interactive thing. We want you to be just as involved as our guests are, just as involved as I am. So that's it for us. It's been another great episode, another amazing week, and we'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 